It is Tuesday, the 22nd of March, 2022. Spring break is over, so it's back to the grind for most of us. And you're listening to the Handsome Genius Club radio show. Hey kids, welcome to the show. My name is Anthony Rutgazer, a.k.a. Your Uncle Kingdom. And this is episode 485 of the Handsome Genius Club radio show. That's right, 500 is fast approaching. I have no idea what we're going to do for that one, but we'll figure out something. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so stoked about today's episode. I've been trying to make this happen for a little while now, and I'm so grateful that uh, this gentleman took the time out to talk to us. Uh, Canadian actor Paul Sunhyung Lee. Uh, you may know him from his uh, recurring role as Captain Carson Teva on the Disney Plus Star Wars series, The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. You might know him from his breakout role as Appa on the CBC sitcom Kim's Convenience. Uh, you're definitely going to get to know him as Uncle Iroh. On the upcoming Netflix adaptation of Avatar, The Last Airbender, it's currently filming. And uh, that's actually where Paul is as he talks to us for this week's show. I We're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about his uh, massive enthusiasm for geek culture. Uh, all of it today on the show. But uh, first, speaking of geek culture and comic conventions and and everything associated with them. I need to say thank you to uh, Kevin Boyd and George Zotti and the people from uh, Informa and Fan Expo Canada for having me as a guest at this past weekend's Toronto Comic-Con. I got to host uh, six, six, two a day. I was hosting sketch battles. And I absolutely have to thank the incredible assortment of artists who took the time out of uh, their schedules to come to Room 803 and to uh, sketch for the crowds that assembled for them and to uh, answer questions from the crowd and uh, put up with my assorted nonsense. Uh, people like Leonard Kirk and Tom Grummet and Mike Ruth and Dave Ross and Joe Rubenstein and Francine Delgado and uh Johnny Desjardins did two panels for us. Um uh Bill Morrison, uh uh Jay Fosgett, uh all all kinds of fun. Um I'm I'm leaving people out, but you know, hey, we gotta get on with the episode, right? But thank you to everyone who sketched and thank you to everyone who came and sat in those six crowds and asked questions and uh, laughed and participated and had fun. It was great to see people out at a convention. And it was great to see people wear, continuing to wear masks and be thoughtful of other people. Uh, I know the, the, the mask mandates have ended officially in Ontario here, you know, Toronto, Ontario, but, um, I appreciate people who are going to continue to wear masks because they know that we're not through this yet. So, 
That's as political as I'll get. Uh, and uh, before we get into the interview, I should also give you an update on Chance for Survival. If you're listening to this for the first time, to this, this show for the first time because of Paul's interview, uh, I am a comic book writer myself. And uh, last fall, I kickstarted the first issue of a new series called Chance for Survival about a sheriff protecting a small town of inhabitants of survivors after a mo- worldwide monster apocalypse. And uh, more than 200 people uh, contributed to the Kickstarter, and they're making the book happen. I am late with the book. I had expected the book... I'd expected my own work on the book to be done by now and to have the book in people's hands. All I can do is apologize. As you know, I am... I'm back in college. I'm a 50-year-old college freshman taking digital media marketing, and that's consumed a lot of time, but that's not the be-all and end-all of why the book isn't done yet, and I am uh, I'm trying to get everything done in time for Calgary Comic Expo next month, April. Um, like I say, all I can do is apologize and thank you for your patience, uh, I've had one person who was irate. He deserves to be irate. It's, it's, I understand that. Um, but all I can do is, is thank you for your, the patience that you've had with me in getting the book together. And I have not forgotten you. The book is coming. <laughs> okay. Um, with that said, oh, and I, I also want to note that, um, this, podcast this particular interview is going to be available later this week uh on youtube i'm rolling the handsome genius club out into its own website and its own media presence so handsomegeniusclub.com is going to be its own website soon uh there are already a twitter and an instagram feed for the uh the the podcast both of them you can find on twitter on instagram at HGC Radio Show. That's H-G-C-R-A-D-I-O-S-H-O-W. Uh, so please give those a follow. And, um, so, uh, website, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, um, uh, not TikTok. Oh, I'm resisting Tik, I'm resisting TikTok. Jason Clark from An Elegant Weapon loves TikTok. I'm sorry, bro. I <laughs> I had TikTok for a day and I got rid of it. Um Yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh so look for the video of this interview and uh and please tell your friends, tell your friends about the show. If you tell here here's the call to action. If you tell two people how good this show was. Encourage them to listen to the Handsome Genius Club. And next week, those two people listen and they enjoy it and they tell two people, I heard this great podcast. You might want to listen to it. And those two people tell those two people and their two friends and so on and so on, like a bizarre shampoo commercial cult <laughs> and so on and so on. Um there is no chance that we do not take over the world. Join my pop culture cult and let's rule the world together. Everyone will benefit under my benevolent dictatorship. 
Yes. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit the record scratch and get into the interview. Oh, one very final note and then we'll get into the interview. Uh, my audio for this, uh, episode is a little substandard during the interview. It's the first time that I've recorded one of uh, the podcast interviews using Zoom, and there was a microphone setting that I did not get quite right. I have fixed it now, so future episodes will be appearing in both audio and video, and the audio will be chef's kiss perfect. So without further ado, this is Paul Sun-Hyung Lee. Hello, Paul. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. I'm, and I'm honored that I'm on your first ever video yes. style for the podcast. Yes. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. Paul and I met at, uh, it was actually one of the Fan Expo Canada uh, Christmas markets a few years oh, yeah. ago. That's yeah. right. You were, it was, it was the December Christmas markets and you were in, uh, in Ghostbusters gear. Because you are a uh, ardent, fervent cosplayer, which is I always find hilarious and fun, and uh, and and that's how we met. And you were ridiculously friendly and personable from the word go. So <laughs> so absolutely, I was going to take advantage of that and try and get okay. you on the podcast <laughs> at some point, man. So. Uh, you're currently in Vancouver. You're filming a new series for Netflix. Why, right. why don't I let you tell everybody what the show is and who you're playing? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, currently shooting the live action adaptation of the animated series Avatar The Last Airbender. Not to be confused with Avatar, the James Cameron movie franchise with no. all the oh. people, the, the Navi and whatnot. <laughs> uh, this is this is completely different. It's based off the uh, Nickelodeon animated series from 2005. I believe it ran from 2005 to 2008. Ran three seasons, about 60 some odd, 60 plus episodes. Ooh. And um, yeah, this is not the first attempt at a live action adaptation uh, back in, I believe, in 2010 or 2012. M. Night Shyamalan tried a disastrous remake of it, uh, and I think the fans are still reeling from that because I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the stuff that we get online socials is, don't do what M. Night Shyamalan did, um, <laughs> which is a given, I think. But um, yeah, so I'm up there shooting that, and I've been cast in role of a general uh, or Uncle Iroh who is, uh, for those of you who know, is uh, Prince Zuko's uncle and uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the main members of the, of the, the storyline. So I'm and, out here doing that. And you were saying it's an eight-episode series? It is. It is. Do, do yeah, we eight episodes, one hour, one hour each. One hour I have each. no idea when it's going to be, uh, it's going to be airing. Uh, my best guess would be at the earliest, it would be at the end of this year. Um, these, this is a, this is a, this is a hundred million dollar, like this is a very expensive show that we're shooting right now. We are using, we are, um, using cutting edge state of the art technology. Um, same as, uh, on the Mandalorian, actually it's, uh, volume? yeah, we're using the volume. It's not the ILM version of it. It's Pixmodo. Um, so it's a different sort of, it's a different company, but the, the, basically the, the mechanisms are, are, identical it's just a different proprietary sort of name for it 
and whatnot. But well, yeah, we're on the volume. And in fact, the volume that we're using, one of two volumes, uh, is considered as of this recording, the largest in North America. Oh, so, very good. Okay. Yeah. And w- what's your relationship with the source material? Did you, I, I know you're a fervent uh, comic book fan and, and uh, I, I would assume a big manga fan as well. And uh, big <laughs> you, would, you would think so. <laughs> you would think well, in my youth, I, I, shouldn't, I, say, youth. I shouldn't say big, but <laughs> I don't want to. I'm familiar. Yeah. I have, I have a passing familiarity with some, it, it is, uh, a part of my fandom that I've to really sort of dig dig deep and, and explore. There's yeah. just so much content out there right now. Yeah. Um, and so my association with Avatar is I did not watch it the first time it came out in 2005. Uh, we didn't have Nickelodeon. But I actually ended up watching it in 2018 based on the recommendation of a friend who was watching it with her son. And she said it's probably one of the, some, one of the best written animated series or series I've ever I've ever seen. And so based on that, I started watching it and, you know, absolutely adored it. I thought it was great. Um, and so being, you know, back in 2018 as well, I think that's when they started sort of fan casting some of the roles when they heard that uh, Netflix was going to be doing a live action adaptation of the show. Okay. And uh, almost immediately, a lot of fans fan casting as Uncle Iroh. And so I was really kind of very flattered about that, but I was doing Kim's convenience at the time. So it was completely unavailable to do any other show um, because of that. But then, you know, flash four, four years later or three and a half, four years later. And here we are. Tell tell us about uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh is part of the fire nation in the, in the animated series. There's four different countries. Basically there's the fire nation, the earth kingdom, the water tribes and the air nomads. And they each represent one of the basic elements, water, uh, fire, earth, and air obviously. And um, in, in the world, as it speaks, right uh, uh, in the story of Avatar, basically um, they have these special beings called benders and they, they're, they're people who can manipulate these core elements. So a water bender could obviously bend, can control or manipulate water fire nation. It's fire for the air nomads. It's the air. And for the earth benders, it's the ground. And so uncle Iroh is part of the fire nation. And, uh, basically, the story is every hundred years, there's an avatar. No, not every hundred years. Every generation, there's an avatar. And the avatar is the supreme being who can master all four forms of bending. And they are the, the, the one who is supposed to bring balance and peace to the world. And uh, in this storyline, the avatar has disappeared for a hundred years. And the Fire Nation is an aggressive nation, uh, much like fire. It is uh, a lot of people in the Fire Nation believe that true peace can only come through their domination of the world okay. uh and so they've waged war while the avatar has been gone and the avatar has returned and you find a, a world that is at war and uncle iroh was a general for the fire nation uh one of the most feared um members of the fire nation in fact he was supposed to be next in line to be the next uh um ruler of the fire nation and um following the siege of one of the earth Earth Kingdom's largest cities, Basing Se, his son gets killed. And after that, he's a changed man and he no longer wants to fight. Um, and without getting too, too deep into it and spoiling storylines, you see that he's not everything that they, he, you think he is. There's much more to Iroh uh, than, than meets the eye. And um, it's, he's a fascinating character. Um, 
a character that uh, for me, uh, because I'm doing my version of Iroh, I'm not going to be doing like a straight up mimicry of the great Mako's performance in the animated series. Uh, the scripts are different, obviously, but I need to I need to make it my character. And so there's an amount, an extraordinary amount of reverence and respect for the source material on my part, on everyone's part. But uh, as well, there is because the stories are, are different. Um, there has to be in terms of a performer in me. I mean, that that's why they hired me, uh, because they, they have faith in me as a performer. And, uh, you know, my job is not to copy someone else's performance. My job is to make this character my own and bring the heart and the humor and the levity and but also the gravity uh, of this character to life. And so it's it's been really it's been a fun, fun go. It's been a great challenge. And um you know, I'm really excited to see what we can share with everybody, especially all the fans. I want to challenge you on saying it's been fun because when I saw you in Vancouver a few weeks ago, one of the <laughs> things you said to me was how long you were spending in the makeup chair before yeah. and after the, the a shooting day uh, yeah. happens. How yeah. long are you spending in the makeup chair, Paul? Well, the, the first time we applied all the makeup, and to be fair, they was we were setting the look for the character. It was six. It was a six-hour process oh, because it had to, I had to be fitted. Uh, the the hair pieces had to be cut, trimmed, and styled. Same thing with the the beard. Um, I am. I mean, everybody notices. Oh, you've you shaved your mustache. That's your eye roll look, and it's so not my eye roll look. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, you, you got to wait. You got to. You you won't be able to recognize me. It's so cool. Um, the hair and makeup department are outstanding and we've got it down to now about an hour and a half for the application uh, of, of the hair pieces and the, 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 the beard and, and all these other, and the makeup itself. So, um, and that is something that's very new to me. I mean, I'm usually I'm in and out in less than 10 minutes because they put a little bit of anti shine on me and they go, nah, you're fine. And I go, and that is my extent of the, the makeup stuff. Yeah. Here's the anti shine. Do I, <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about it right now. A quick chamois. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, there's powders, there's creams. It's an incredible uh, process. And so, yeah, that's so for me to sit in a chair for longer than that is completely foreign. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's getting used to it because I get called in super early in the mornings to get prepped. And obviously they, they also, um, they plan for extra time just in case something goes wrong or whatever. Like they, the ADs, they like to schedule a cushion. So oftentimes I'm ready to go and I'm still waiting because yeah. they've, they've added that extra time to, to just in case that insurance time. What's, what's the um, removal and, time like? Yeah, well, it's the removal time is, has gotten better now, yeah. which is great because we're actually starting to integrate a little bit more of my hair into the, into the build which is wonderful. It's a big time saver. Um, and uh, it just, it's more freeing too, because I don't feel like I have a ton of stuff glued to my face anymore. Um, and I think, you know, hats off to any performer uh, who has to undergo a long uh, prep period and, and have to act in a, in any sort of prosthetics on their faces, be it wigs uh, or like masks or whatever. I mean, that is, really uh challenging to try to get your personality the performance through all the the makeup and whatnot um so uh yeah it's it's been 
uh, an adjustment period for me, but again, it's like when you're ready to go, it's, 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 it's transformative, right? It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, there are times I I'm looking around and we're on this hundred and hundred million dollar set state of the art set. And I'm looking at everybody in the gorgeous costumes and uh, you know, you, you, you see the, the, the production design and the magics that going around. And I'm just sitting there just sort of pinching myself going, I get to do this for a living. <laughs> like I'm doing this. So like, I never thought even as, 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 you know, as far back as five years ago that I would ever get that kind of an experience. Yeah. So this is, it's been for me. Uh, I mean, you talk about core memories, <laughs> like even now I'm almost 50 and I've got some more core memories that, that are, that are, that are part of me, yeah. such a, such a, an intrinsic part of me now. And so, all of that really for me is it just it it, it creates a feeling of gratitude, um, and I take it seriously. And I, you know, and I'm also enjoying it too because I never want to take that for granted. It, it's taken me this long in my life in my career to sort of live out my dreams and to be able to play. I mean, when I was a kid, I dreamed about being in Star Wars, but never thought I would ever get that opportunity. Now I've I've done it. And so I never, ever want to take this for granted. I never, ever want to sort of get bored and go, oh, yeah, it's, you know, that's just, that's just, that's just. It's just you know, another day. Yeah, it's just the volume. Oh, I got to put this costume on again, the X-Wing again. Or it's like, I never want that. It's never, yeah. you know, because once that's done, I'm out. Like, honestly, kick me in the face. And <laughs> get me out. So, yeah. yeah. Hang on for just a second. I'm going to, yep. I got to take care of something here and then we're going to move on. Perfect timing because I think something's on fire across the street. Oh, okay. Uh, it's downtown Vancouver. <laughs> Lots of sirens. Well, I just needed to. Uh, I needed to make sure there wasn't something on fire here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice uh, microphone. I oh, have you're, two you're me in the kitchen. <laughs> this is yeah. This was um, uh, oh god. Have I had this for two years now? It's probably two years. It was during the pandemic, not too far yeah. into the pandemic. I had decided um, in December of 2019, I am going to do. Uh, I'm going to challenge myself, and I'm going to do the podcast daily. Wow. And I did, over the course of 2020, it got a little easier <laughs> once the, the world shut itself down. But over the right. course of that year, I did five days a week, all year long. I did 264 episodes. Wow. And uh, I remember being on the phone with my, uh, my friend Kurt, wrestler, uh, hacker Scotty O'Shea, as I was walking into uh, Long and McQuaid. Because I thought, okay, I I wanna I wanna get a pop shield, and I'm, I'm thinking about upgrading the microphone, and ended up with this, and uh, yes, it, it works well, and it looks good in frame. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have two of those myself. So. Yeah. Okay, um, let's uh, let's start working backwards a little. How did the Star Wars gig happen? Oh, man, I just, I mean, in 2018, basically what happened was uh, I got invited to the um, uh, 
the Unforgettable Gala in Los Angeles. And basically what that is, is a celebration um, of North Amer- of, of Asian North Americans in the media in Los Angeles. It's, it's, a, it's a daily, it's a daily, it's an annual sort of event that they have to sort of uh, build up the community and celebrate. And uh, I didn't want to go because I'd never been to Los Angeles before. I didn't want to go by myself. So uh, I asked, I, I basically said that the only reason, I'm, the only way I'm going down there is if the entire cast of Kim's Convenience goes down because I didn't want to go by myself. And so um, they, they agreed to it. And so the cast went down. And while we were down there, we it was at the Beverly Hills uh, Hilton. Uh, and they hold like the the Golden Globe Awards there. Then you know a number of big sort of award ceremonies are actually on that site. And uh, so you know down there and and uh, just I've going through the red carpet process was insane because I've been through the red carpet stuff, the biggest stuff that Canada has to offer. And the red carpet event for that niche sort of small community event was like five times the size of what Canada has. And so that was like really like, Holy crap. And this is for like the Asian American market only. Right. And, and it was just tremendous. It was huge. It was huge. Uh, So we're there, my head spinning and uh, we're we're at the Beverly Hilton and um, this woman jumps in front of me and she says, Hey, Paul, do you remember me? And I'm like, it was Deborah Chow. And so I was like, Deborah, yes, of course, of course I know you. Um, Deborah Chow, uh, back in Toronto, I met her 25 years before, and we were both working at the Factory Theatre. Um, she was part of the administrative staff there, and I was there as a, on, a, on a, uh, a grant program to learn about arts administration. But Factory was going bankrupt, so there was nothing to learn. Oh. And I was basically there. I was used as a janitor and, and like a, a daily laborer while I was there. But Deb was there and she was cool. And she was an aspiring filmmaker and I was an aspi- uh, aspiring actor. And um, she said, hey, you know, like, do you, do you want to be in the short film of mine? I'm, I'm shooting. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we shot a day in Chinatown. This is 25 years ago. And then, you know, my gig ended at Factory. Deb disappeared. I went my way and I hadn't seen her again since until she jumped in front of me. And um, so I was like, where have you been? What's going on? What are you doing in Los Angeles? And she said, well, you know, that short film got me into Columbia Film School and I became a filmmaker. And uh, now I'm in Los Angeles. I've been working down here directing different TV shows. I said, that's great. And she'd been directing shows like, you know, Better Call Saul, Fear the Walking Dead, Jessica Jones, you know, little boutique shows, right? Yeah, Um, (laughs) little shows, yeah. Right? And then, of course, she said, and then she says, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm shooting... Uh, a series called The Mandalorian. Have you heard of it? And I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, I've heard of it. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Like, you know, I'm a Star Wars. Well, she didn't know I was a Star Wars nerd. Mm. But it was like, yeah, no, absolutely. She said, I've been trying to get in touch with you because Dave Filoni, who's one of the executive producers on the show, uh, he's also done Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars Rebels. So he's, he's kind of known more yeah. so now that The Mandalorian's hit. But back then, you kind of had to know who Dave was if you didn't. You didn't type thing, but she said, you know, Dave Filoni is a big fan of Kim's convenience and um, he's been wanting to write something for you. And I was like, get out. (laughs) I was like, you do realize I have like eight Star Wars cosplays at home. I live and breathe Star Wars. This is my jam. She said, no way. Really? I said, yeah. And so I showed her the pictures of my, my cosplay on, on Instagram. She was like, send them to me. I'll send them to Dave. So she texted him to Dave on the spot and uh, he texted back and said, oh, he could just wear his costumes to, to set. Huh. <laughs> to work. And so that sort of became the, that whole process where it was just like, 
you know, you, you feel like Cinderella at the ball. I was already feeling that way anyway. And then this drops. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Deb said, so what are you doing tomorrow? Cause you should do a set visit. And I was like, I'm going back to Toronto tomorrow. She said, Oh, you can't change that. I said, no, but can I come back? She was like, yeah, absolutely. So three weeks later I came back and I visited the set of Mandalorian um, for season one. Yeah. Uh, I got to see Deb work. I got to see Dave work. I met Dave Filoni. I met John Favreau. Uh, I saw Baby Yoda for the first time, and this was like, like I saw him coming and doing the puppet work, and I was like, "What the hell is that? Oh my god, are you kidding me?" And I was like, Don't tell anybody. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not gonna tell Zol. But it was a blast because I got to hang out with the props department, and I'm huge into replica prop building and just prop prop making in general. So that was a lot of fun. I got to hold a blaster from that they used that was used in in Return of the Jedi. Um, I got a guided tour of like the 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 wardrobe department and the administrative offices from Dave Filoni. We went out for dinner together. Like it was just like a dream. Like I was dying. Like just yeah. as a as a fan to yeah. get to peek behind the curtain and to get to hang out with Deb and with Dave, um, and like really hit it off with Dave as well was awesome. Um, and then. Yeah, like six months later, uh, my agent gave me a call and was like, hey, so Lucasfilm called and, and they want to know what your availability is. And uh, yeah, so it was like, there we go. That was that. That's and uh, yeah. Now, at the time, um, I'm going to guess that you thought this was going to be a, a one-off proposition, one and done, or did or did somebody tell you early on, uh, yeah, you know, we might reuse this character. You might be back or you will <laughs> yeah. be back. No, I had no idea. Honestly, it was just, I didn't even know what the character was yeah. uh, initially. They, they use code, code names for everything. Yeah. And my agent who's was, uh, she's retired now, but my agent at the time, she's decidedly not a Star Wars fan. So she was like, um, it's for a... Uh, for the role of the foodie pilot. And that was the code name for it. And I was like, foodie pilot? What the hell does that mean? Like, is he like, is, does, does he run like some sort of intergalactic food truck? Does he, <laughs> does he feed it? I said, I don't know. And I honestly thought that I was going to be under like 25 pounds of latex. Yeah. So I thought, I don't care. And then we find out later on that, oh, no, no, no. He's like, you're, you're going to, it's a face character. And it's two episodes. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. That's like more than a cameo. That's I'm a recurring character now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. And so uh, I didn't, you know, when, when, with these things, the scripts are so secretive. They only give you your slice of the pie, right? So I just had my lines. I had no other context for anything else, basically. And so I didn't know if I was going to come back or not. But uh, like, I didn't care. I was just at that point. It was just like I was living the dream. And I was able to be there. And so... Uh, I was really, really happy that, uh, you know, they were happy with my work and, um, you know, that they, they asked me to come back for Book of Boba Fett, which was awesome. Uh, because uh, honestly, I thought I was doing Mandalorian season three and I didn't find out until the wardrobe fitting that it was actually for Book of Boba Fett. Right. So it, it was, it's nice to be asked back. It's nice that, you know, they, they kind of they like you enough that they want to, to, to give you something else because yeah. they certainly didn't have to. Right. And uh, they, you know, it is Disney, but they had to get me a visa. They had to rush me along and, and they, they had to pull a lot of strings to get me on, on that show. Yeah. And so I'm even more grateful for that. It's like right. when they want you, they want you. 
Yeah, so I thought, that's fantastic. You know, uh, yeah. So, uh, so now you've done Mandalorian and you've done Book of Boba Fett. Uh, any uh, anything else coming up with them? Is there anything you'd like to tell us that maybe <laughs> you've got some time blocked out to go uh, stand in their version of the volume again? Yeah, no, I, I, I wish I could say I, I got nothing. I'm sorry. I mean, I would love to come back, obviously, uh, but I, it's, it's one of those things, again, it's just you don't want to get too greedy. And it's just sort yeah. of like, I, I wish I, I really wish I had something more to say. Um, I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back for anything. The, right. cro- the crossover of your fans and Star Wars fans. I remember the first time you popped up on screen and uh, how badly did your phone blow oh. up that night? It was... Text messages it, and Twitter ad yeah. notifications. It, the episodes dropped just before midnight on yeah. the West Coast. Yeah. And I was East Coast time. So, so my phone started going off at about... Uh, four, so three thirty, about four four thirty in the morning, yeah. right? Like four o'clock in the morning, and it yeah. was just like it just like I knew there was going to be some response, but I didn't know how big it was going to be, and it was yeah. kind of, in in a sense, it was almost kind of ridiculous because it was like Blog To wrote a story about it, and it was just like this. It, I didn't think it was newsworthy, right? So. Uh, that that's what got me it was just like the, the, show, the, the amount of reaction and and all these outlets these uh they they wanted to um they wanted to interview me about it which was just like it it just sort of shows how big a deal star wars is uh, out there and um you know a lot of fans and it and it means a lot to me because they get they kind of go we're living we're living this experience through you yeah, you know, like we love the support that I'm getting from the fan community is is one of uh, acceptance because they're like, we love it because you're one of us. Yeah, and you get to do this, so we all get to do this, and that for me is is the best form of validation ever is to be accepted because I, I start off. I mean, I wasn't I, I wasn't the lead on a TV show or like I was. I start off as a fan. I'm a, I'm still a fan. Yeah, and I know what it's like. Uh, to still be a fan and, and love actors and 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 be like sort of flustered when when you're going to go meet somebody whose work you really admire who you never think you're going to get a chance to chat with, um, and so for the for the fans to back me in that way uh, meant so much so much to me almost almost more than getting cast in Star Wars because it's that when you're accepted by fans it's the best feeling in the world. It's the best feeling in the world. And, I, and that's why I always hold it with me, too. It's like fans deserve the best. Um, they're the ones that make you. They're the ones that can break you. But they should be respected. They should be taken care of. You know, without fans, we don't have a lot of what we have right now, like the Comic-Cons or, or you know, or, or any of these things, these, these shows, because they're the ones that, that keep the fires burning. They're the ones that spread the word. And I love that. I love that. That's the, the the best parts of fandom are that to me. It's community building. It is support. It is uh, uplifting each other and supporting each other. That's the best part of fandom. And I don't think uh, we get enough of that in the media. I think, uh, you know, over in the past, fandom has always been looked at, oh, are they really extreme or, you know, the, the seedy sort of like uh, parts of it that are, that are true of any sort of group. 
Yeah. Uh, but fan, I, I, I think fans get jobbed way too much. Uh, and I'd love to see more, more of, of them being celebrated for the good that they do rather than the, the odd things. Because I truly believe everybody's a fan of something. Whether you want to admit it or not, people are fans of, of different things. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm doing that show with, with uh, Great Pacific Media. We're developing a show called Fandemonium, where it is a celebration of the fans. And it is an exploration of what makes a fan and why it's important for fans. Um, and not to sort of go, oh, isn't that fan weird because they do that? It's like, no, let's celebrate what these fans, like what, you know, what they're going into. Because it, we don't see that enough. And this, this, my that shows my love letter to fandom and fans. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things for me, I see at it. It took me a while. It took it literally took me years to realize this was going into uh, the South Building of the Metro Toronto Convention Center for Fan Expo and, and Toronto Comic Con. How um, there's a certain point that you you know you're going down four sets of escalators to get into the main hall in the South building. And there's a certain point that you can't pass unless you have your, unless you have your pass or your, you know, your ticket. And at that point, there was always this mass gathering of kids in cosplay. And they were, you know, the equivalent of a hippie drum circle. They were, (laughs) music was playing and they were dancing. And I realized finally, a a few years ago, that those were kids who didn't even have passes to the convention, a lot of them. But this was where they were meeting their friends. This was their gathering spot. It might as well have been uh, the middle of a park. uh, Just because it was just a place. It was meet me by the big tree. Meet me on the 600 level in the South building and we're mm-hmm. going to hang out. And I, I, I always think about how great it is that kids, especially kids who might not uh, in their everyday lives, feel they belong to anything or might feel because of the things they enjoy that, you know, that they're being swept aside by whatever the main, whatever you would call the mainstream um, that they have a community and they have places like, you know, Fan Expo that they can, this is a commercial for Fan Expo all of a sudden. <laughs> they, have, they, <laughs> they do that for Anime North too. They do it for yeah, a lot Anime of Anime North, another perfect example. I've, I, I've only really been to Anime North once and wrestled on a show there. And then we got to spend the day uh, walking around and then across the street, the hotel afterwards, where they were, you know, showing uh, movies and having panel discussions. And, and by God, it's just, it's, I, I, it doesn't matter whether it's my community, it's great that they have that community. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you about, uh, about the fandom and, and uh, enjoying and respecting it. Um, Speaking about being a fan of something, uh, Kim's Convenience. So it's that is where now I know you going back to Train 48. So, but, but I, I know that a lot of uh, a lot of people now 
um, really came to know and love you because of your role as Appa on Kim's Convenience and how big that show got. Where are you emotionally with the cancellation of the show? Um, you know, with time comes perspective. And when the show was, was done, I'm not going to say canceled because the network wanted it. The network didn't cancel it. If anything, okay. the producers decided not to make the show anymore. So I don't know what word there is for that, but it's just like um, the cessation of, of, <laughs> of production. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a very emotional time. It was raw. I felt um, in many ways abandoned, to be honest. Uh, I, I'd sunk five years of my life uh, in, into just the TV show, but another five years prior to that doing the play, right? So I'd lived with this character for, for over 10 years. Uh, and I, I felt it was an ignominious end, and there was a lot of emotion coming from it. I'm, you know, it's been over a year now since that happened with time comes perspective i think uh i don't hold uh any ill will or malice anymore i just i think i was really kind of caught up in the emotion and was hurt with the way that it how it ended basically and i wanted more closure for the fans for my character i wanted that one last season and when that didn't happen it's sort of like you move on from it i mean there's 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 a discussion to be had about what what could have been done better on Kim's. There's no, it, it's not about finger pointing in my mind either. It really is about, I don't think anybody set out to sabotage a show or to do bad things. And ooh, you know, there's some sort of villain in the background plotting its demise. I think mistakes happened. And um, the best outcome would be to sort of examine it and kind of go, okay, well, how can we avoid these mistakes for next time? So that, you know, other shows, don't have to fall fall you know victim to the same mistakes and especially because this is a bipoc show uh with a bipoc cast and they're rare those are, they're rare and it you know critically it was a success um so you got that rare unicorn where it was like it was bringing in audiences from everywhere you didn't have to be asian to enjoy the show you didn't have to be korean it, it was just it was one of these universally loved shows and that's a bit of a unicorn but i think you know at the end of the day Things could have been done better. Um, and so for the next show, how can we do that better? And I think that's that's the best uh, discussion to have. And not, not about pointing fingers or blaming people. This, uh, because everybody was doing their best. It was the sh- one of the first shows of its kind out there. Of course, mistakes are going to be made. But I don't want to focus on that either. I want to... The, the end, what was so upsetting was... Everybody was pointing at all the mistakes and all the missed opportunities and blah, but we didn't celebrate the five years of the show kicked down so many barriers for so many communities and for people and for actors of color and for writers and for directors and whatnot. We did a lot of good on that show as well, but that kind of got left in the dust because of the way the show ended. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, I, I choose to look back at it. I will always have fond memories of Kim's Convenience. Kim's Convenience was the reason why my career has continued on. So many blessings have come from planting that seed. I wouldn't have been able to do Star Wars without it. I wouldn't be doing Avatar without it. I wouldn't, you know, I'd be living the life that I have right now if it were not for Kim's Convenience. So how can I not have that kind of gratitude in my heart? And I will always love Kim's Convenience. I will always love Appa. And at the end of the day, though, 
a year, I'm working on Avatar, I've done Star Wars. I think in a really sort of ironic way, it was good that the show ended when it did. Not how it did, but I think when it did, when I it think did. it was good yeah. for my career just because I still get that where it's like when you portray a character and that character becomes an iconic sort of presence in people's lives and they love him so much, it's hard to separate the character from the actor sometimes. So I still get people calling me Appa. So saying, okay, I see you. And like saying this and like when they see me in Star Wars, they go, oh, look, Appa's in space or Appa's in this and Appa's in that. It's like, well, no, he's not. The actor who's playing Appa is in this. <laughs> but Appa is a character. I am an actor, yeah. right? And so there's that sort of separation that I think uh, I'm looking at kind of going, it's a good thing. It's a good thing as an actor. You kind of go, you know, William Shatner's always going to be Captain Kirk. Yeah. Right. He's always going to be Captain. To some, he'll be TJ Hooker. Yeah. You know, but he's always going to be Captain Kirk. Right. Yeah. Same with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And so all these guys. Uh, and so that's why for me to be able to diversify my own career. Right. And now it's like I have fans who go, oh, I only know you as Captain Carson Tava. I had no idea about Kim's Convenience. And then they'll watch Kim's and go, oh, my God, Carson Tava is in, in Kim's Convenience. And now yeah. when Avatar comes out, it'll be like, oh, my God, he's he's Iroh. And so it, it, that's what I love is the fact that as an actor, I don't want to get hemmed in too much with the types of roles I play. I don't you don't want to get typecast. And uh, I, I still believe I have a lot more to give. And I'd, I'd love a lot more opportunities to do more things as well, not just one thing, one kind of thing. And so, yeah, Kim's has been for me, except for that one sort of horrible period where everything came crashing down. Um, was continues to be uh, a shining light in my career and something that I will forever uh, have gratitude, but love extreme love and affection for. Did it, uh, did it hurt your feelings just a little bit a couple of weeks ago when it was announced that the actual physical store that you used for Kim's convenience was (laughs) shutting down or being sold? Yeah, you know, that's that's life. I mean, yeah. it, it was Mimi. It was Mimi's variety before, yeah. and uh, Bruce and Kay, who who own the store, um, they, I mean, they they're the Kim family right there. I that that was their store, and but the thing is, their kid, their daughters have moved on. They're professionals now, and there's nothing for them at the store. And so, right. Bruce and Kay, they worked a long time. They deserve the cash in, which is awesome. And it's you know, at the end of the day, you kind of go. It's a place. It yeah. is a place. Um, we'll always have those memories and the pictures and stuff. I've had people go up to me and say, well, you should buy it. Like to me, <laughs> that I should buy it. Oh, yeah. You should, should buy it. Convenience store yeah, of course. Yeah. Because that's what I should do for the rest of my life is run a convenience store. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it's like, you know, the sentimental value and I get it, But it's like, but to what end? I mean, it's, that's the progression of, of life sometimes. It's, it's a shame. And you kind of go, oh, okay. But to me, the real memories are here and here, right? Like in my heart. And, you know, it, it is, um, you know, they say home is where the heart is. That, that's kind of the same thing. And you kind of go, oh, well, that's a shame. But I mean, greater buildings have, have disappeared yeah. in my mind at, that, at, that are worth kind of like feeling really bad for. But the Kim's on a corner, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it became this iconic spot. People from all over the world have been visiting it, but... You know, in the end, uh, like everything else, 
life change it changes yeah. it changes can't stay the same always so. speaking about life changes and i'm gonna ask you this question and then i'm gonna explain it okay because i know how it's gonna come off at first but bear with me when when are you moving to a to a, a bigger house <laughs> when you move into a bigger house and i you know why i'm asking i know how I know. do you buy two and three 12 13 inch hot toys uh action figures a week a week and not uh, move into a new house my friend you gotta be running out of space i am uh, oh that's, that's <laughs> like space yeah i'm serious i am i'm uh oh Oh man, my wife and I, and like I'm out on the West Coast, so my yeah. friends have dubbed this place the West Coast Stash House because <laughs> <laughs> I'm even more out here. And it's like uh, you went up to you went up to that store north of Vancouver, didn't you? What is the name of that that toy store north of Vancouver? It's like 45 minutes outside of town. You mean in Langley? Yeah, uh, toy, toy Traders. Yeah, toy it's, traders. it's south. It's south of Vancouver. Yeah, south of Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I dropped. Oh, come yeah, come. that's a dangerous store for me. Come on, um, uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, let, me, let me give you let me give you an over under. Let me give you an over under, okay. and, and you can decide how much trouble you want to get in at home. Thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. <laughs> a little more, a little over. A like including that? pre-orders <laughs> or just stuff that I've including pre-orders. Yeah, five. Yeah, Holy maybe a little bit north of five. Oh maybe a little man! North of, yeah. uh, you know what? When times are good, it is. It's so fun being <laughs> a nerd. Uh. Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I have to admit, there's a bit of Netflix money involved there, and a little bit. Of money involved there. Just, Are you just signing uh, the back of your check and handing it over to them? <laughs> it's. You know what it is though, because I have my own YouTube channel too, and yeah. it is focused on unboxings and collectibles. Yeah, like yeah. It, it is for the channel. I mean, yeah. one of the side, one of the one of the nice side effects is, is I am a collector, and so I can curate. You know, it, it is. It will go in my collection, but I mean, uh, it, it is. I, I do the unboxings, and all the stuff yeah. that I've I've purchased gets unboxed for for uh, my YouTube channel members. Right, so, so um, it becomes symbiotic. The channel yeah. feeding the addiction. The yes, addiction I've, created the channel. I've created an enabling, like a self sustaining enabling device. It's one of those perpetual motion That's devices. Beautiful. Um, but you know, honestly, as uh, you know, space danger is a legit concern, and I have a number <laughs> of you know hot toys still in the boxes. I mean, I think I've got like twenty and counting that are still in the boxes uh-huh. that I don't have room to to display properly. And so, what it becomes is, you, <laughs> I, I've stopped one. I've stopped collecting Black Series. That's the six inch, uh, yeah, six like inch one twelve scale, yeah. yeah. So I have I have a fairly large collection of Black Series. So I'm getting rid of it. And by getting rid of, like, I'm going to be parceling them out and selling those pieces to make room for my Hot Toys collection. The 1-6 scale, falling hard into that. Uh, I just love the level of detail for it. The crafts, the the the, the craftsmanship involved in it, the artistry is incredible yeah. for that. So there, there's that. Um, and I've also got uh, a whole whack of uh, Playmobil 
thing sets, uh, notably the entire first wave of the Ghostbusters uh, thing, which is okay. uh, again that that's got to go. And so you make you make these you make these these sacrifices, right? These little changes in terms yeah. of what you want to collect and how you want to collect it. And also, one of the other things byproducts is with the one six scale figures. Uh, I want to get into one six scale toy photography. And so that's the the creation of dioramas, and they're just so detailed. And I've seen there's a number of different uh, followers on uh, my YouTube channel, my Instagram, that they're doing tremendous work. And so I'm looking at that going, oh, this is something that I I would really, really love to sort of get around uh, and exploring myself. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's that. And so the one six scale is perfect for that. And, uh, so it's, it's about branching out and using, um, learning new skills and using what you have for it. And as well, I have three, a couple of 3d printers and I want to start building dioramas, uh, with used by using the 3d print. So not only just for props, but also for these, these backgrounds that I can put these one six scale figures in, yeah. and and photo- uh, photograph them so amazing i have i have a couple of people to introduce you to on right. uh, instagram then uh paul douglas who uh works at silver snail here in toronto and photographs star wars figures and um ethan page uh aew professional wrestler who okay um uh does all is a rabid uh marvel action figure collector Oh. And has a uh, his Instagram is either shot by page or uh, uh, picks by page. I can't remember right offhand right now, but he does dioramas and stuff for uh, Marvel nice. figures and does some amazing stuff. I'll I'll I'll, in- I'll show you both of them. You're gonna enjoy. <laughs> you might get some ideas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, we, we mentioned you do. A, is, is, uh, let me make sure I get this right. Fun boxing Sundays. Unboxing Sundays, yes, that's correct. Yeah, every yeah. Sunday at seven. Every Sunday at seven p.m. Eastern. That's right. Yeah. On my YouTube channel, Bitter Asian Dude Inc. Uh, this started much like your podcasting started at the beginning of the pandemic. It was just we were stuck at home. It was something to do. I got the I just gotten the Skywalker Saga 4K gift set, okay. and it was this huge box with nine movies, twenty seven discs. Uh, collectible booklet, all this stuff. And my youngest was like, why don't you just do an unboxing video? And uh, a friend of mine was like, yeah, you should do it because like, I want to see if I want to get it or not, or if it's worth yeah. it. So I was like, yeah, okay. So I, you know, I'd seen unboxing videos on YouTube that my sons, you know, were watching and I thought, oh, sure. And uh, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the whole process of it. And it was uh, for me, cause I just started with my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And you know the first videos up there, and I'm sitting at my dining room table, and my wife's walking back and forth, and it's so not professional. And like partway through, I think my phone rang and turned off the camera, and so I had to. I realized, oh, it hasn't been recording for the last ten minutes, so I had to restart recording and stuff. But it became the challenge of, okay, well, how do I make this look better? You know, uh, and I started researching into lights and cameras and, and editing systems and and yeah. and sound and mics and. And stuff, and that's how the geeky basement sort of came to life. Cool. And it just along the way, people just started subscribing to the channel. And uh, yeah, I mean, we have, uh, I think we have 16,000 16, subs in wow. just a little over a year and a half, almost two years now. That's for me, it was like I was, I, I didn't think I was going to get 10 to be honest. And so now it's grown. And 
I want to do more now too, because people like are really, really like the, the hardcore fans who, who watch every Sunday. Uh, it's like a gathering of, of, of your friends. And it, you know, the chat is alive with everybody talking to each other and catching up with each other's lives and whatnot. And we have, you know, giveaways and, and, and trivia contests. We're going to get a Kahoot up and running. And, uh, you know, I, I have some signed items that I, that I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have contests for, for people to get. Uh, I was in the character, the Star Wars character encyclopedia and a friend of mine got me four copies of it. So I signed four copies and I personalized them and gave them out to, uh, to uh, uh, subscribers who, who were, who answered trivia questions correctly. Um, and, uh, you know, just this past Halloween, we had a 90 second horror film contest where people had to submit a 90 second horror short. That's and terrific. it was great. We had like 15 people submit uh, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah. So it's, um, it, it's something that's, you know, I really, really love doing. You talk about uh, being in the Star Wars encyclopedia. Am, am I wrong to think that there's a Carson Teva action figure coming soon? I have no idea. I would love to be able to. I don't think so. Not no. yet. They haven't announced anything. They'll, they'll, Hasbro's kind of weird that way. They, they follow the beat of their own drum. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm getting out of Black Series collecting as well. But uh, <laughs> I have not heard anything uh, about Carson Teva getting a Black Series or Vintage Collector Series, like a 3.75 inch yeah. or a hot toy or whatever. I have no idea. It'll, um, it'll happen, my friend. It'll, <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen, and you will melt as a human being when you <laughs> see yourself. I that to me that's that's the snake eating its tail. That's yeah. <laughs> is you becoming be done. an actual mass-produced action figure? You will melt. I, I hope I'm there to see it. <laughs> oh, that'd be it for me. I don't know. Well, I mean, like these cards. Like I got. I thought this is the pinnacle. Oh, of, that's nice. Of, sorry. To focus in on. I'm not looking into the camera for a second because it's oh look at that. That's and, nice. And that's the second series of cards, the first series, the first wave. So this is part of like they have these you know hobby boxes, yeah. and it's one card per box, basically right. for the so you're guaranteed an autograph card. Yeah. But the box is like $90 Canadian. And so I've seen unboxings, somebody had like 20 boxes. I was like, yeah. that's like two thousand bucks worth the stuff you got there and he you only get 20 cards out of it and yeah. he pulled one of mine which is awesome anyways i got this off of ebay but <laughs> it's it's one of these things where i thought for me it's like that's peak nerddom when you when you get your own trading card yeah uh, and and you 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 autograph it and it's out there and people are selling it and buying it like that for me blows my mind that's terrific um yeah so to get an action figure is gravy would be gravy. I mean, Jason Lowe built me a custom, a couple yes. of custom, uh, you know, and he does toy photography as well as being a fantastic artist and storyteller and whatnot. And so um, that's, that's, I don't know. It, it's just something that uh, I never, ever thought I keep saying this. I never thought would ever happen to me. And so I'm enjoying every second of this ride while I can. And, you know, people always say, oh, you must be sick and tired and tired of talking about it. It's like, no, man, if, if anybody asks, I'm more than happy to tell because, again, I'm repping, the, I'm repping the community. And if people can live vicariously through me, then, yeah, that's that's something I take seriously, too. Okay. 
I, I'm, we're, we're, we're going to wrap up soon. I got to let you go. I got to let you get on with your life. <laughs> I'm so grateful to you for taking the time to do this. Oh, no. I, I, have, to, I have to ask you, through, through all of your fandom, and this is a question I plan to ask a lot of people coming up. Mm-hmm. What, and I'll, I'll give you my example. What is your most strongly held but deeply, deeply inside baseball uh, angry opinion about something in comics, movies, toys, whatever. And here, this, this is the opinion I'll now take to the grave with me. That as amazing a movie as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was... Mm-hmm. The fact that they didn't get Paul Souls, the voice of the original Peter Parker and Spider-Man from 1966, because he was alive and kicking and doing and still working yeah. at 90 at the time they were producing that movie, that they didn't get Paul Souls to voice Spider-Man in the mean point Spider-Man pointing at each other scene after the yeah. credits is to me one of the most insulting, wasted opportunities <laughs> in all of my fandom. That yeah. is my obscure, why is this a problem for you opinion? Do you have a deep, 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 dusty <laughs> complaint about something in your fandom? Oh, I don't know. You know, it, honestly, the only thing that comes to mind is how, in my opinion, how idiotic the Rebel forces were in Empire Strikes Back during the Battle of Hoth. Okay. Um, because you have a line of defense, which is basically ground troops and their turrets facing armored, armored vehicles that are coming at them in a straight line with no, with no air support. <laughs> and so the Rebels had their snow speeders. Yeah. So they have the aerial advantage. And yet, I, and this is, I don't know, is this Commander Skywalker's tactic? But they flew in straight at them, the, you know, at the most heavily armored yeah. part and the most, you know, where the, the focus of the fire is concentrated, thereby creating a, a suicide mission instead of attacking them from the sides or, yeah. heaven forbid, from behind. Yeah. Because... There were no guns facing behind them. And yet the Battle of Hoth was lost because they were like, hey, let's harpoon their legs and zip around instead <laughs> of like, why don't we just attack them at a 90 degree angle? Because they don't seem to be able to turn. So that kind of always bothered me. Like just the tactics used yeah. on the Battle of Hoth because yeah. it's like they could have beat them. You, you <laughs> deserve to lose. Yeah. It's like, but you, it's like, but you, you went straight at them. It's like saying... Having somebody with a machine gun and going, shink, pulling out a sword and going, charge, and running straight <laughs> at the machine gun. You kind of go, why? Just go fly around. You yeah. just fly around and to the side, right? And it's like, oh, that armor is too thick for blasters. It's like, but the rear isn't. <laughs> you can go and shoot them in the ass. It's, it's, it's the wily e. Coyote mentality of the tree is falling. And you right. run in a straight line. Just yeah. three feet to one side and you're fine, you dumb wolf. Except, 
Yeah. <laughs> and so that that I mean it, it's it's not as it's not as deep cut. And I've had arguments with other <laughs> friends over this. It's like, oh come on, it's just a movie. But there are things about that in, in movies where I kind of go, yeah, but Thanks you what, like yeah, if you don't go, well, why didn't they just if you ever say that, yeah, then yeah. it's a poorly conceived or written out sort of strategy, I think. <laughs> um, it's like, well, why didn't they just it's like shh. Just enjoy the movie. It's like, no, I won't. Because that part bugs me. Why didn't that's, they just do that? Yeah. That's that's the beautiful thing about uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. It tells right. you in the theme. Don't worry about the food or the oxygen. It's just a TV show. Right. <laughs> what, uh, before I let you go, one last thing. What are you, uh, what are you watching? What are you reading? What, uh, what pop culture are you consuming these days that isn't um, I, a, yeah. an Avatar script? Yeah, I uh, have. Uh, uh, I'm trying to get through Dune, the novel version of it, before I watch the movie. Okay. Uh, I saw the David Lynch version like when I was a kid, and I didn't understand it, didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so with with the new Denis Villeneuve version of it, I was like, no, I'm going to read the France the Herbert version of the novel first. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to watch the movie. Um, I've not gotten past page twenty. It's. <laughs> It's a and book that's written in the, you know, a while. And so it's a different style. So it's kind of hard to get into. Um, I just finished watching, not just finished, but I, I watched um, I, uh, Peacemaker on HBO oh, Max. That's a continuation of the Suicide show. Squad. Love it. I think it is the best opening titles sequence of all time. Yes. I will fight to the death on that one. Yes. Um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm starting up uh, Taika Waititi's Our Flag Means Death, which okay. is um, his version. Basically, it's The Office for Pirates. <laughs> uh, wait a minute! Wasn't The Office for Pirates uh, a Monty Python skit? Wasn't it a musical? The uh, it was. The yeah, there was they had that in yeah in uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in one of their movies. Yeah. I said, Can you hold on for a second? I got this. Yeah, sure. it, it's show and tell time. I bet you it's show and tell time. This is <laughs> what, what could this possibly be? It's just hard to get to. So another thing that I've been doing lately is I have been uh, rewatching uh, a, a series that I adored when I was a kid called okay. Space 1999. Oh, um, okay. and because of that, because Eagle Moss, they have a line called Hero Collectors and they're, they're, I've got all their BSG stuff from the uh, uh, from the classic Battlestar to uh, the 2004 uh, uh, reboot version, the Ronald D. Moore version, the RDM version of it. And uh, they just started releasing the Eagle transport system, which for me is an iconic spaceship of my yes. youth. And so I started rewatching the episodes. They're on Amazon Prime. My wife got me actually the full uh, the uh, DVD box set, and I want to upgrade it to the Blu-ray box set. But then I did this deep dive because I found out that uh, there's a company called uh, 1612, and they are hardcore. <laughs> <Space -making. laughs> I pre-ordered a one-to-one -one scale replica model of the, the helmet, but yeah. I also did a deep dive, and I was able to pull up. So this is one. This is a Commander Koenig. Oh, okay. Uh, this is like a one-twelve scale. It's like a six-inch fig. Uh, it is... Like the detail on it is sick, which I love. And then this one, I was able to, ah, this was out of print for a while. 
but I was able to track one down uh, via eBay. And this is uh, this is Captain Alan Carter, who is yeah. one of my favorite characters too. But it comes with a little moon buggy on it. So that's that's the other thing that I've I kind of fallen because uh, in terms of the hot toys, the Star Wars stuff, a lot of it is uh, on pre-order because it's not being released till later on this year or next year. Right. And so to scratch that little itch, I've been kind of going. <laughs> you just, I just thought to myself, I need I need a, mm-hmm. a, a small Martin <laughs> Landau in my life. Yeah. <laughs> But it's awesome. Like, I, I always wanted to dress up like him when I was a kid, right? And I remember taking, like, uh, we had these uh, box cardboard boxes with oranges in them. And I would, like, draw, like, this uh, the, the the survival, like, this backpack. Oh, bit. right. Okay. I would draw that and I'd wear it on my back. And I'd have this, like, oh, I tried a plastic bag one time. Didn't work very well. Jeez. It's a space. <laughs> oh, come on. That man. was the craziest. I had this Don't plastic bag over state- my head. Don't make me put a safety warning I on the know. podcast, Paul. Right? Oh, because of me, because of me, <laughs> Anthony had to have a warning. Uh, and it was just like, oh, and I couldn't breathe. And my dad was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so well, we were years. we were kids in the, you're, you're a few, couple of years younger than me. We were kids in the 70s when yeah. it was like, if you're, if you're home before the streetlights come on, I don't care what you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't, and like the, my mom and dad, they never knew where we were. Yeah. Just disappear on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Woods behind the house. Who knows what's going on back there? Could be Lord of the Flies. Come home. It was Lord of the Flies. Come home for dinner and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Paul Sun Young Lee, thank you very much for joining us today on the Handsome Genius Club radio show video show. (laughs) <laughs> uh, tell people uh, tell people again how to find you on uh, on the social medias and yeah. uh, and and on especially on YouTube. Very cool. I I do yes. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Bitter Asian Dude Inc. You can check it out. A lot of fun content. It's basically the main show is a live stream called Funboxing Sundays every Sunday 7 p.m. Eastern, where I open up a geeky collectible. I do a half-ass review and we chat, and it's a really good time. There are drinking games. There's occasional giveaway, and uh, it's a really fun time to hang out and be a geek and a nerd. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Bitter Asian Dude, and on Instagram, which is uh, at Angry Appa, actually. So you can check me on those uh, social media outlets as well. And uh, I do have a Facebook page, but I, I'm rarely on that. Uh, but it would yeah. be Paul Sun Young Lee. Um, yeah, Facebook is, it, there's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> and yes. it's, it's hard to keep, and I still do run all my socials by myself. One of, uh, one so. of, the, one of the things I learned in, uh, in my, one of my marketing classes this week is that uh, Facebook is dying. Yeah. Uh, the, the number of 13 to 17 year olds uh, who are using or joining Facebook is so far below their uh, their portion of the population. It's just not a good Facebook is dying, my friend. Yeah. It's just us more yeah. using it now. <laughs> and that's the sign <laughs> when yeah. the median age of the using group is like starts to rise. Yeah. That's when that's when it starts to die. So yeah, yeah that is yeah. that's that's live journal waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show. I, mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing you randomly at another time. Walked up to me, walked up to me <laughs> in Vancouver, dressed as a Jedi, 
And I was just like, Paul, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to the cons because I love going to cons and cosplay. Fantastic, man. I will. I'll, I'll talk to you soon and I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Paul. All right, kids, that's going to wrap it up for another week here at the Handsome Genius Club. Uh, I want to thank you again for listening. Remember, we've got new social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at HGC Radio Show. The new website is coming. Uh, you should not have to resubscribe if you're already subscribed. But if you're not subscribed... You should subscribe uh, <laughs> as we're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, Google Podcasts. And, of course, through uh, HandsomeGeniusClub.com and Rutgazer.com, my website, uh, my personal website. Um, okay, that's it. We're done. Thank you for listening. Uh, take care of each other. Find some good trouble to get into this week. And uh, please remember, your Uncle Kingdom loves you. Bye.